Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another wonderful episode of Guapish Rule 34. As always, I'm your host, Tanner, and today I'm joined by my very special co-host, Nico. Guys, I have some bad news. Last year, our company made $1 billion in profit, but this year, it only made $900 million in profit. Do you know what that means? We're all fired. It means the line is going down, Tanner! I have to act half of our staff just to keep the lights on now. The shareholders are uh, fucking breathing down my neck right now. My belt is looking shockingly more like a noose as we as we speak, okay? With every waking moment, I'm considering rope day even more, okay? Please, donate to patreon.com forward slash guapish <laughs> so I can make the line go up for the love of God! And also joining us, my super special co-host, Jackson... And also joining us, my super special co-host personally, is Blake. Howdy. Holy shit. And also not joining us this episode, Dylan, because he's a fucking coward. What do you we'll mean by that? Later, Listen, guys, as uh, all of you dedicated guapish viewers know, uh, we're going to be reviewing Godzilla vs. Kong this episode. Um, and since I'm sure our audience has uh, many more IQ points than the average person, they know that this is not going to be a very good movie, but <laughs> Dylan loves it. Uh, so he has dodged this episode to escape our wrath. Are you sure that's why? Maybe the guy has like some other stuff going on. He probably has other stuff I, going I, on. From what I heard yesterday uh, when I was on the call with him, I think he's doing some pyramid scheme shit, but like, who knows? <laughs> Sounds about it. right. To be fair, he has dodged episodes to avoid us before for this very reason. Has he? Has he? Yeah, didn't he, uh... Fuck, which one was it? He definitely has. It wasn't Power Rangers. Um, or was it? Power Rangers was something where he, he like, just didn't want to say his rank on the episode, so he was trying to, like, dodge it, but he didn't actually... He was still on the episode. It was around that time. Which one was it? I can't fucking remember. I'm pretty really sure he's matter. dodged an episode so that he didn't have to get in an argument with us about movies before. I mean, I'd believe it, but like, you know, nothing's really coming off the top of my head here personally. Tragic. But something that is coming off the top of my head here. So I have a hypothetical question here for you guys. Uh-huh. Let's say that it happens, okay? The bombs drop. Tanner's worst fears have been realized. Nuclear fallout has approached. Somehow you miraculously survive, okay? Do you think you'd even, like, really bother trying to survive in, like, a Fallout-esque world? Or would you just be like, well, this all kind of sucks, I'll just end it all. Suicide is cringe, so of course I'd keep going. Yeah. I'm just really scared of dying, and, uh, I, I mean, I'd probably try to fight to figure it out, but I don't really know if there's much you can do <laughs> in a nuclear wasteland. I'll probably die of fucking radiation after a while, or, like, yeah. starvation, because there's no water or anything nearby, probably. <laughs> Now, how would you even efficiently kill yourself in this scenario? Uh, I guess, like, not really try to survive is the big thing. Just, uh, just fucking crumple up and be like, okay, take me, nature. I don't know. Do you think you could actually overcome your, like, inbuilt instincts and force yourself to, like, starve to death? I feel like if I really wanted to, I could. <laughs> if it's like, I, I simply don't see any point in keeping and <laughs> uh, trying to keep going here. I don't know, how about you, Blake? Do you think you'd uh, try and keep going on? Yeah, I mean, that'd be pretty hard to starve yourself. Eventually, you're going to cave in. I agree. Let's assume that you find a gun, though. Do you just end it all, dude? I mean, like, have have all the guns, like, disappeared in this situation, or, like... You found a gun, Blake. Um, I don't know, I guess it probably just depends on your mindset at that given... <laughs> 
<laughs> Anyways, guys, I've got a completely different hypothetical that is somewhat related because it's also like some apocalypse bullshit. Oh. Nico, you've read Fire Punch, so you're going to oh. know where this is coming from here. Yeah. My hypothetical being the world is cast into a massive blizzard, you know, basically like a second ice age. I'd Our end little, it all. Like, our little community. No, Nico, you have to. You have to keep going here. Uh, so yeah, of course, everybody is also potentially gifted some magical power. There's a bunch of different powers that really matter. Nobody in your like settling of people that have like survived the blizzard in your area have any powers except for you, and you have mm. the power to regenerate uh, very quickly. So like, if you lop off your arm. Um, very quickly, you'll just regrow another arm. You can still feel the pain. It's still it's fucking horrible. You're still getting your arm chopped off, but you can do it. And there isn't any, like, energy loss or anything. The question is, would you sacrifice yourself to be just the food supply for the settling in this situation? Like, keep everybody alive by just being chopped to bits constantly uh, to feed everybody? Or do you say, no. fuck that shit and just venture out into, like, the blizzard and do whatever the fuck? I say no just because um, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of different diseases uh, and mental disorders that kind of just naturally arise from cannibalism. Yeah, there are. But at the same like, time, Tanner, like, like, yeah, that's a, uh, isn't that a better alternative to death, though? No. What do you mean, no? No, I, I think, uh, you know, completely betraying human morality and turning yourself into a demon is not worth living. What do you mean turning yourself into a demon? Like a, a hypothetical demon, not a real one. Okay. Alas, Tanner, in this hypothetical, you can't kill yourself because you regenerate too quickly. I'm not saying I'd kill myself, though. I'm just saying I wouldn't let them eat me. Okay. You'd cast them away and let them die. You'd kill an entire settling of people. I mean, you know, we can figure out how to survive anyway. I just don't think cannibalism is a long-term solution, so like... But, they, but you need a short-term solution. Yeah, you need to tie them over somehow. There's nothing to eat. It's a fucking ice age. Yeah, it's just, uh, I think once you cross that line, like, it doesn't matter if you hypothetically find some way of surviving afterwards. They have a taste for man at that point. They're only yeah, gonna want to consume you. And they're probably just gonna die of, like, whatever that fucking brain disease that you get from eating human flesh is. Yeah, dysentery. Like, how about you? What's your answer to this question? Mm, that's a toughie. I mean, it seems like you just kind of have to go with it in that situation. You don't have to. You can tell them to fuck off and just <laughs> run away. <laughs> You could survive just fine with your regeneration. They're all just going to die, though. Yeah, I guess it depends on how you look at it. <laughs> okay, what's the answer to that? <laughs> would, you, would you be the sacrifice to keep everyone alive, or would you uh, just fuck off and not have to get chopped up constantly? I mean, I guess I'd probably just run away, like, assuming, assuming I could. Sounds like we're all on the same page, then. Fuck the settlers. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need them. You guys were on the same page as me? Why are you, like, fucking going at me? <laughs> uh, because it's more entertaining that way. Yeah, yeah no, that's, uh, okay. uh, that's the early plot of the manga Fire Punch, which is a great manga. I highly recommend it. It gets off the rails pretty quick, but it's a fun time. Yeah, I thought it was pretty enjoyable. It's by the same guy who wrote Chainsaw Man, Tanner. Cool. You love Chainsaw Man. It's a good show. Yeah, you said it's your favorite anime of all time in the Tanner quiz. I didn't say that. <laughs> Speaking of reading, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I read 1984, the much lauded 1984. Uh, it's literally 1984. You hear about it all the time. It's very prominent in American culture, uh, and I don't know why because it's not it's not that good, you know. <laughs> It's just, like, my main problem is the world's not very realistic. Like, everything sucks so hard that you're like, why would this government be able to persist at all? Uh, Do they ever then, like, explain why you would be able to persist? 
Not really. Oh, okay. Because, like, they're doing the hardcore tyrannical shit where they're, like, you know, disappearing people at a whim and they're, like, torturing them and brainwashing them and beating them to death and, Mm -hmm. you know, shooting them in the streets and whatever. Uh, Which, you know, tons of authoritarian governments have done before. But then also, like... Yeah, like, America, current day America, 2024, Trump's America that we're currently living in. (laughs) But then they also... uh, don't provide really any level of material comfort. The food fucking sucks. There's not enough of it. Mm-hmm. Everyone's houses are dirty as fuck and like rat and insect infested. Even like the people, the people, the people who are like part of the ruling party, their lives still kind of suck. They're like overworked and things aren't that nice. Is it so the very like, least comparably better to the rest of the people though? Yeah, it's a. Well, so they have inner party and outer party people. Our uh, protagonist is an outer party people. He doesn't seem that much better off than uh, the majority of non-party people. Uh, Mm. The inner party people are noticeably better off, but they're not, like, they're not bawling out like crazy, you know? Gotcha. Like, they're still having to deal with the fact that there are shortages of every conceivable good. Yeah. Um, There are some concepts that uh, I look at, I'm like, okay, that was pretty intelligent, like, a pretty intelligent observation for, like, 1940-whatever when this was written, like, uh... Like, the wor- in the world, there's, like, only three countries now. There's Oceania, Eurasia, and East Asia. And they're, like, always at war in this, like, one intersecting point. And, like, none of them really try to win just because, like, having a war always going on makes it easier to control their population. That was pretty insightful, I thought. I found that kind of realistic. Um, yeah, it's just like Metal Gear. Yeah, a lot of the stuff where they're, like, rewriting the language to dumb down people's ability to think, I found pretty interesting. Like, you're trying Um, to do with the word woe, you son of a bitch? Yeah, uh, rewriting history, obviously, that that was a pretty prescient thing for him to see. But, yeah, overall, I didn't find the world too realistic. And then the straightforward narrative is just, like, it's kind of whatever. It's, like, it's split up into three parts. The first part is this dude, and he's like, man, my life sucks, and I don't like it, but I'm going along with it, I guess. The second part is he meets a girl, and they start fucking, and they're like, well, you know, we're not allowed to fuck in this world, but we are. Uh, Isn't that cool? And then uh, the third part is he gets caught. Uh, He and her get caught, and then uh, he is tortured to the point of insanity and then uh, brainwashed until he's just cool with everything and then it just ends. Mm. So I'm like, it's it's like he presented this world that has allegories to real life, but then there there isn't really any commentary beyond like, hey, wouldn't it suck if this is what the world was like, you know? Like, so okay. to be clear, you're advocating that we ban this book. Yeah, exactly. That is funny that this book was banned, though. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, I also find it very funny how, like, you know, in modern day politics, both the left and the right, like, claim this book. And um, I'd say it kind of equally goes after both of them. Uh, so, like, the government that's controlling everything is called Ingsoc. Or, no, the ideology that's controlling everything is called Ingsoc, which is English Socialism. Uh, so it is, like, socialism to tell, like, uh, fascism or whatever, so it's kind of criticizing the left there, but then a lot of their methods and, uh, some of their 
sort of ideology and virtues are kind of targeting more right-wing things, kind of. Um, it's kind of a mixed bag, and I think the idea that... Like, uh, in the edition I have, it has a foreword by some guy, and he's like, I think this is a very important book to read if you want to understand how, why we need to oppose Donald Trump. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, personally, I don't see how you came away with that, but, you know, sure. I, f I find it funny that this, uh, uh, this book is like a Rorschach's test where you get to cast whatever political beliefs you want onto it. Because, like, uh, I guess left-wingers just go, it doesn't matter that it's called socialism and, you know, like, they li literally, all of the characters, by law, are required to call each other comrade and shit like this. But, like, <laughs> I guess they ignore that stuff and they're like, but look, they torture people and torture is right-wing or wh whatever the fuck. Um, so that's kind of silly. I give this book a 6 out of 10 overall. And, frankly, and this is blasphemous, but you can skip it. It's just fine. It's a slightly above-average book in your eyes. Yeah, Animal Farm is better. Oh, there we go. Written by the same guy, which is why I'm mentioning it. That's fair. It does have pigs in it, which I'm a big fan of. <laughs> yeah, I believe there are zero pigs in this. Some what? people's appearances are compared to pigs, though. So, Jesus. Do with that what you will. What was that one book? I remember reading it in middle school. It's like, uh, it's another, like, one of those fucking big political things where it's like, uh, everyone has become, like, equal now, and the government has, like, instituted ways of making sure that everyone is, like, equal in pretty much every conceivable way. So, like, people who are really intelligent have, like, these fucking, like, uh, oh. uh, devices in their ears that make it so that, like, they're constantly hearing, like, a screeching noise so that they can't, like, you know, be as smart as they normally would be. Like, beautiful people have to wear masks and shit like that. Isn't that just an itis? <laughs> yes, I think that's what it's called. I have that. Fuck, dude. I You're conjuring memories, but I can't remember what that book is called. Yeah, I don't remember either. What are the pl the political books we read? It's like, a lot of schools do 1984, Animal Farm, uh, fucking Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit 451. 451. Yeah. Um, I like how the author of that book, he's like, what? <laughs> book censorship? I was writing about how bad television is. <laughs> Uh, fuck. I need to look this up now. It's gonna drive me mad. Because I know Brave New World is another, like, uh, dystopian book. Uh, futuristic world state where citizens are genetically bred, socially indoctrinated, and pharmaceutically an anesthetized to passively uphold an authoritarian ruling order. Blah, 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 blah. I'm pretty sure it's this one. Yeah, let's um, go under the assumption that that's it. Yeah. I want to I do want to read this one at some point because uh from what I've heard uh from people who compare it and uh 1984 they're like Brave New World is better just cuz like in it they the authoritarian regime does provide a pretty high level of material comfort and so it's far more believable that people are choosing to eschew freedom for, you know, living under this regime. Mm, just like Singapore. Yeah. Let's say you guys meet a girl, uh, and you start dating, and you've been dating for a little while, and things are just fucking great. You're a really good match. She's exactly your type. Mm. And then you find out that prior to you dating, she had been stalking you. She, uh, you know, stalked your social media, found out exactly what your type is. Maybe she went as far as to, like, dye her hair the specific color you like, or, uh, you know, uh... She found out places you frequented, and then what you thought 
was like a random meet was actually her intentionally going out and finding you so that you would end up dating. Would you stay with her? I think I've literally read a Reddit post where it's like relationship advice. That's and was, what it's based on. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, Man, if she's willing to like uh, just like be the primary breadwinner and like let me be a stay-at-home dad, I guess I'll uh, I guess I'll stick with her. Why not? What a terrible answer, Jackson. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go ahead and say no. That seems creepy as shit. Not, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of ways people can go about improving themselves to become a better match for somebody, and I think that's fine. But obviously, she's taking this to a, a completely different level, to like an absurd degree for me, and it definitely seems. Obviously, there's some manipulation going on here, and I feel like if she's the type of person to want to do that, um, I could very see that escalating into her attempting to basically like constantly manipulate me throughout the relationship. And uh, I don't want to deal with that shit. That's a lot of fucking drama, and that's just weird. I don't want to date a fucking weirdo <laughs> like that. I agree. I think it betrays a pretty deep level of mental illness. Like, th this person strikes me as the kind of girl where if she catches me looking at another woman, she'll, like, fucking stab me, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have they considered just, like, asking you out and not, like, doing all this bullshit? Because right. I'd probably like, say yes. Right, yeah. Yeah, pro tip for any women who, God forbid, are watching his channel for some reason. Uh, you can just, like, ask a guy out and they'll probably say yes if they're not already in a relationship. Or you're not ugly. Yeah, yeah, that's also a big part here. This is for the five five out of ten plus group here. Yeah. <laughs> Blake, how about you, dude? Would you go for it? Um, Probably not. Yeah, I'm probably with Jackson on that one because it seems like there's a lot of risk involved there. Yeah. There's just like a ton of hypotheticals this yeah, episode. This is the hypothetical episode. <laughs> this episode does not really exist. <laughs> Blake, hypothetical here for you, okay? All right. Or more so like a question first that I want to pose to you, all right? Now, Blake, are you familiar with AI? Yes. Okay. Have you, like, seen just how, like, crazy AI has been getting nowadays? Like, have you seen, like, the Sora shit where they're, like, able to, like, perfectly replicate, like, videos and stuff like that? I haven't delved too deep into it, but I think ChatGPT is pretty cool. All right, well, fantastic. Blake, do you feel as though eventually we're just going to kind of get to the point where uh, AI is, is going to take over the world just like in Terminator? It's entirely possible. The singularity, if you will. Yeah. Well, like, assuming that's possible, you know, then, like, I guess why not just, like, try and uh, create that AI as quickly as we can, you know? Because surely the AI would, like, favor the people who, like, work to create it, right? Yeah, so you're saying, like, just get it over with? Yeah. Wouldn't that be the best course of action? Yeah, probably. Okay. So, like, I think it only makes sense for you to dedicate the rest of your life towards creating this UI, this AI. Me? Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, uh, like, you know, you'd want to try and bring this uh, about as quickly as you possibly can so you can say that you are part of it and therefore the AI will treat you kindly and not try and murder you like it will everyone else who didn't, like, you know, especially the people who were uh, very against it and were trying to legislate this shit. Like, obviously, you'd want to have a part in, like, creating this shit, right? I suppose so. Well, fantastic. I'm happy we were able to get to the bottom of that, pal. I can't believe you just exposed him to Rorko's Basilisk without <laughs> proper warning. <laughs> to what? Don't worry about it. <laughs> what do they call these? What's, like, the catchy word for these things where, like, once you're exposed to them existing, you're, like, fucked? Uh, it's like a... It's not incognito it's like a brain virus or a cognito hazard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, cognito hazard warning, everyone. <laughs> um, by the way, I lost the game. God damn. What the fuck was even, like, really the point of that? Like, I, I remember in middle school, people being like, do you know about the game? 
And I'd be like, no. And I'd say, you lost. And I'd be like, okay. And then no uh, one ever explained it to me. <laughs> I don't really get it either. There's nothing deeper than that. It's literally just, there is the concept of the game. And if you know of its existence, you lost. And if you forget about it, then you're, I guess, still playing. And mm-hmm. if, they, if somebody reminds you of its existence, then you've lost again. It's so what do they some, have to gain from this then? Why are they constantly trying to make me lose? Um, because they it's think funny. it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's just some stupid ch- childish bit. <laughs> I just think they're sore losers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they lost the game too, so they don't want to make you lose it as well. That's like 90% of the time why people make somebody lose the game. is because somebody else made them lose the game. Hmm, gotcha. So, boys... Now, as you may know, a couple weeks ago here, we had a fun little segment called The Things We Like, okay? And so, Tanner had the idea of bringing it back. He enjoyed it so much, he wants to uh, bring it on back, as I previously said. So, (laughs) Tanner, would like to kick off The Things We Like for this week? Yeah, sure. Uh, I wasn't actually planning on doing this because, uh, fucking, I just wanted to talk about my thing and Nico wasn't gonna let me. The thing I like is, uh, the Robert Heinlein sci-fi classic, Starship Troopers. Um, make sure you put this in the title, by the way, because Starship Troopers, uh, discourse has been popping off this week, so it's very much in the SEO right now. I'll keep it in Um, mind, dude. I'll try and figure out some way to fitting it in with, like, uh, I don't know, Jackson, mention some sort of anime you're really into. I'm not in any right now. God damn it. Uh, we'll see if Starship Troopers can, like, mash up with Freerun or some shit, I guess. There we go. Of course. (laughs) Uh... But yeah, the book, very good. Uh, it's essentially a philosophy book disguised as a sci-fi war story. Um, to the point that, like, like there are action sequences in the book. Robert Heinlein, uh, the author, very clearly does not care about the action parts. Yeah. He is just trying to get through them, and uh, frankly, they kind of suck. <laughs> Uh, you're actually excited for him to go back to a flashback to the, uh, classroom so that he can have the teacher give another, you know, fucking diatribe on politics. Uh, cause that's the most interesting parts of the book. Um, and you know, this is, uh, you know, it's just him kind of presenting what his, what he thinks like the best, most ideal, most functional version of like, uh, you know, a liberal democracy would be, um... And then, you know, I don't know. Fuck. I I had so many thoughts on it, and I've lost so many of them. (laughs) Uh, The last two chapters are a bit of a drag, because it's just action. It's like the last part of the movie where they're, like, going to get the brain bug. Yeah. Uh, And they're just, again, like I said, the action parts are boring and kind of suck, so it doesn't end great. Um... I, uh, obviously, I'm into philosophy, so I love that stuff. Um, a lot of the differences between the book and the movie are very entertaining. Like, even just, like, the very structural differences in the way, like, the world is. Like, in the movie, we're introduced to the mobile infantry, and they're just kind of, like, normal-ass soldiers with normal-ass guns, and there's tons of them. In the book, the mobile infantry are, like, people in mech suits, with jetpack boosters, and the way they fight is they just jump around and shoot nukes everywhere. That's uh, So, yeah, and they're, and they're, like, very small squads, and they do very, like, small-scale missions. They don't really do wars much. Hmm. Not, like, I mean, not wars, but, like, full-on battles very much. Yeah. Um, then, uh, some other big differences. There's another race of aliens in this one called the Skinnies. 
the skinnies are originally like allied with the bugs against the humans, uh, and the very first chapter is like a raid on the uh, a skinnies planet, uh, and this successfully gets the humans to get the skinnies to sort of betray the bugs so that we can find out all this information about them. Uh, another thing is the bugs have weapons and spaceships, so like uh, you know in the movie a lot of people. Uh, well, I'll get into that later, but, like, the bugs are far more intelligent, and, like, I don't know if the m movie really explains how the bugs get to different planets. I don't uh, think it did. Yeah, I don't... Do they just think... fucking, like, slingshot each other on meteors or some shit like that? I guess? I, I think it just does not cover that. But, yeah, in the, uh... In the book, they can they have like projectile weapons and spaceships. They're like they like actually have technology and shit. Mm. Um, and then yeah, the for the discourse I've been mentioning. So Helldivers two recently came out, and uh, Twitter has gone ablaze with people debating like, are you with the bugs or against the bugs? And this inevitably turned into people analyzing the movie of Starship Troopers along those same lines, and um. You know, uh, bug posters, as they're coming to be called, are fucking cringe, and what I find hilarious about their criticisms of people who are like, there isn't really any fascism in uh, Starship Troopers, their criticism is that we're the ones being surface level, but their only arguments is like, uh, look at the uniforms! Have you Look seen the uniform, though, Tanner? Exactly! Like, that's all- they're being surface level. <laughs> um... Some other fun things in the book, they have these things called Neo-Dogs, which are, they're like dogs that have been given, uh, I think it's like toddler-level intelligence, so they can, like, talk and shit. <laughs> and, um, they have, like, canine military units, which are paired up with these Neo-Dogs, so they can be, like, scouts and stuff, and, uh, if a Neo-Dog, like, uh, gets hurt or captured, they, like, have to kill the dog because, uh, the trainers will go insane because of how tight of a bond they have and shit. That's fun. Um, but yeah, it's just funny stuff. Also, like, um, some of the other like, so, there, obviously, Paul Vanderhoven, he read, like, two chapters of the book and decided it was fascism, and so he decided to make fun of it in the movie. He did a bad job, like, an objectively bad job, uh... And so, like, he throws in a couple of lines to make the world seem more fascisty. Like, uh, he mentions there being breeding licenses. But then that creates this plot hole where, like, well, then how was Johnny Rico born? Because neither of his parents are citizens, and they're very clearly opposed to military service. So how were they able to have him if apparently citizens are able to get birth licenses like the girl in the shower room mentions? Like, uh, it was established, like, after he was born, so it's totally <laughs> right, yeah. cool. It's, it's just very funny to me that, like, people who are like, no, listen, it is a fascist thing, even though you can vote and you're not forced to serve in the military. Like, I see, I see the line, there must be some review of it out there that's popular amongst left-wingers, where someone says the line, uh, at the end of the war, they're literally conscri conscripting children, and, like... No, they're never conscripting anyone, and the only people we ever see fighting are all adults. What are you talking about? They're just making shit up at this point. Um, but yeah, down with bugs, bug posters are cringe, uh, and I wish we lived in a democracy like that one. <laughs> Tanner, do you wish that we had, like, mandatory military service? No. Why not? 
Well, because, like, militaries that have mandatory service are just objectively worse than ones with volunteer service. Uh, Israel? Israel is a pretty good one. I imagine that even if they did do voluntary service, a pretty high percentage of their population would be serving anyway since they're in such a dire situation. Mm. So I think that's kind of an exception that proves the rule. But, like, wouldn't it be cool if, like, all of our citizens had some sort of military What does this have to do with, like, Starship Troopers (laughs) does not have... It it, it has nothing to do with that. I'm just curious. Okay, you're just bringing it it up? Yeah, I was just wondering, because it came to my noggin here. Um, it's it's an interesting thing to consider, because, like, obviously, mandatory service does create a heightened amount of civic engagement amongst your population. But I don't know if that's worth it. Mm. Um, and I think America might also kind of be an exception because, like, they have mandatory service in, like, Korea. Actually, now that I think about it, so, like, I think mandatory service works in Korea because they have North Korea right there. And so it's like there is an imminent threat right there that people would probably be willing to volunteer anyways because they see that as a legitimate threat. I don't think it would really work in America because we don't have legitimate threats. And so we just be we'd just be mandating people join and then throwing them into our stupid bullshit wars that like don't (laughs) have any reason behind them. I don't think it would work in America. And, I, and it's not necessary either. <laughs> That's fair enough. So, Blake. Yeah. Dude, are you ready? What is the thing that you liked this week? Uh, I thought both the, the Spider-Verse moves were good. What'd you think of them? Fair enough, dude. I'm happy to hear it. I mean, I, of course, I still think the first one was better, but... Hot take, apparently. <laughs> that is a strangely hot take. Jackson, your thing that you like... Um, it's my motorcycle, I guess, because I rode it a million times this week, and it was a fun time. Well, cool. Uh, as for me, so, as you guys may know, I have been recently been checking out Curb Your Enthusiasm, and as you may not know, I recently dropped it, because I came to the realization that every single episode is exactly the same, and, you know, at a certain point, it's like, okay, well, fucking, I kind of get the point now. <laughs> So instead of watching Kirby Enthusiasm, I have instead picked up Joe Para Talks to You About Stuff. And I gotta say, it's a pretty solid show. I enjoy it a lot. So if you don't know, Joe Para is an adult swim show. It's a live action one. It's just about a man named Joe Para, and he just kinda he just kinda watched the guy go about his life, you know, just kinda talking about the things he enjoys. And it's fantastic. It's a great subversion on kinda like what you would expect from Adult Swim. It was a very simple show, super sincere. It's a nice dry comedy, you know, despite everything. It is still funny. Uh, I definitely liken it to something like uh, uh, fucking like Bob Ross, you know? It's a very comforting show to just kind of chill there and watch. Uh, It really isn't trying to be like super wholesome or anything like that, though. Just this guy talking about stuff that he thinks is neat. And I recommend that you check it out. Cool. And with that said, are you guys ready to get on to Guapish at the Movies. Guapish at the Movies! Have a merry, merry Christmas. <laughs> it's the best time of the year. That's right, we did watch a Christmas oh movie, golly. didn't we? Have a holly jolly Christmas this year. Jackson, what did we watch this week? Yeah, as Taylor was alluding to with his uh, his little jingle there, we watched the 1994 uh, dark comedy Mixed Nuts. Uh, and I guess, Tanner, you can lead us off with what the fuck this movie's about. Damn, I wanted to do the Godzilla vs. Kong. Nico, uh, tell us about Mixed Nuts. 
Mixed nuts. Mixed nuts is a. Oh, there's like nothing to really say about the fucking plot of this movie. Uh, mixed it nuts. It is just kind of bits one after the other. Yeah, exactly. Mixed nuts is about a fucking suicide hotline on Christmas Day, and fucking Joe Pesci or whatever this guy's name is. He is the. He's running the thing, and he's got this woman who he's real into, and over the course of the movie. I don't know, like a murder happens, and... Hilarity ensues. They killed her landlord, who's trying to evict them. And everyone lived happily ever after. Guys, this is a comedy? Ha 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 ha! I am, I'm ready for the ranks. <laughs> I have Go to give my haiku, guys. <laughs> Here's my haiku, as inspired by Mixed Nuts. Please don't kill yourself. This movie is so funny! The critics are WRONG! So, as I alluded to in that haiku, this movie has been fucking eviscerated in the reviews. Yeah, which might be why our patron picked it. Yeah, that is why he picked it. He thought he hasn't seen this movie, so he thought it was some dog shit he could show us. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I don't know if your guys' thoughts have evolved, but I think you're on my side saying, this is a legitimately funny movie, and the reviews from both critics and audiences are just wrong. Yeah, I enjoyed the movie enough, you know, it's a pretty decent comedy, and yeah, the fucking discourse around it seems to be, like, way, way too much. Yeah, I can't (laughs) explain it other than to say, like, these people just don't get it. Yeah, I guess so. Is it just because Adam Adam Sandler? Adam Sandler, get him out of here, we don't want him in a movie, anything he's touched has been tainted. I was gonna say, Mm -hmm. is it, like, just because a lot of people don't like him, or... He's like I, I he's doubt not that's even that, the crux of their argument. <laughs> yeah, he's not even that bad in it really. Like he gets kind of annoying a couple parts, but he's also funny a couple parts. I think he's yeah. equally funny and annoying. Yeah, and he's not like it. one of the main characters anyways, really. Yeah. And he kisses Leave Schneider dressed as a woman. Yeah. <laughs> Which by the way, the trans representation in this movie, who boy. Like I could see how like if this movie came out today, that that would be like the big thing that causes people to hate it, but like I don't know, it doesn't really feel like it was handled super poorly here at all, like... I've seen much worse. Exactly. Especially for the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Uh, like, you know, obviously, uh, I'm not trans or anything like that, but... Yet. Prove it. But... <laughs> I feel like it was handled decently respectfully here, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, the joke is, this is... A man dressed as a woman, and he's very tall and kind of deep voice. So yes, they're going to make jokes about that, but they don't really... Like, the characters aren't calling uh, him a him the whole time, you know? Yeah. They're not, like, uh, acting as if he is a man, really. Yeah. Just a manly woman. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think we're running into the classic comedy problem where it's like, how do I review this movie without saying I thought it was funny? I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny, too. I thought it was hilarious. I thought a lot of the jokes were really good, especially a lot of the uh, stuff around, uh, you know, the suicide hotline. That's just an inherently great premise for dark humor. Yeah. Uh, like, that guy <laughs> fucking shoots himself. <laughs> um, that was funny. You know, the pervert coming up on the phone, uh, which, you know, predictable joke, sure, but it's still fucking funny to see it. Uh, there were very few jokes that did not land with me, to be honest. Yeah, I feel like the funniest part of this movie is just watching you uh, really bust a gut throughout the whole thing. 
He was going fucking crazy throughout like the entire movie. Yeah. What can I say? It was funny, guys. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll offer the opposite take. Um, not necessarily opposite. I still think this movie has some funny bits in it, but honestly, I think it was pretty fucking generic for me. Um, it generic? Didn't really deal... Yeah. I don't think it really did a ton like interesting with like the way it presented itself. The script was pretty uninspired. I do like the the setup with the comedy around the suicide hotline thing. I think that's clever, but that's all. The movie really had that was like super interesting for me to be honest. Uh, characters are all kind of uh, eh to me. Some of the comedy was funny. A lot of it was uh, unfunny to me. I'm pretty I'm pretty mid on this movie to be completely honest. I think it's okay. I, I'm not I'm not very high on it. I think you're kind of crazy for calling this generic. I think this is very unique. Well, you know, generic I, probably I, isn't the right word for it. I think <laughs> oh, it's yeah. a I think it's a pretty average comedy is maybe what I should say. Hmm. In fairness, though, I believe that if you look at our rankings for comedy movies, Jackson pretty consistently is, like, the lowest scoring on them. I think the only real outlier in those happiness where Dylan is just off the rails with it, but... I'm not a huge comedy guy. I, there has to be a really specific type of it for me to be super into it. Yeah. Well, how about you, Blake? How'd you like this one? I really enjoyed it. I think uh, it kind of checked all the boxes as far as, like, a dark comedy goes. Happy to hear it, dude. With that said, what do you feel like you're going to be ranking it, man? Hmm. This is your first ranked movie ever. Prepare yourself for this. I'm going to give it a B plus. Well, all right then. Jackson, how about you, dude? Oh, I gave it a C. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm thinking like uh, B minus for me. Tanner, how about you? I'm giving it an A plus. I think this is on par with happiness. Hot damn. I vehemently disagree. But say la vie. And then, what the fuck did Dylan give it? He gave it a B minus. Wait, so we've got we've got C for me. Nika, you gave it a B minus. Tanner yeah. gave it an A plus. Dylan gave it a B minus, and then Blake gave it a B plus. Yeah, it sounds about right. Okay, cool. And with that, the overall ranking is a flat B, which is a lot better than the fifteen percent ad on Rotten Tomatoes, whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, for sure. This movie got lambasted. It's 50 it's, it literally is incomprehensible to me. I'm reading these reviews. I'm like, what the fuck are these people talking about? What movie did they watch? Maybe the humor just aged really well. And this type of shit wasn't funny back in the early or like, yeah, I guess like the mid 90s. And now in the, uh, the 2020s, know. you know, it's pretty Hold silly. On. Let me see. Happiness came out in 1998. It has a very similar tone of humor. Let me see how that one got reviewed when it came out. This one's sitting at uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Do, do, do. Come on, fucking look. See, this one's sitting at an 83. And I don't think the four years difference between these two would have suddenly had, like, this sense of humor, like, come in vogue, I don't think, I, right? They're, they're both dark comedies, but I feel like Happiness is a vastly different type of dark comedy than this. At least for me. Yeah. I disagree. I think Happiness has a lot more interesting things in this movie. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I disagree. Let me put it this way. I'm never going to show happiness to anyone I know. I absolutely will show this movie to I people I feel like I know. there are big reasons as to why that is, though. Happiness tackles significantly darker themes than this movie does. Does I it? Would I would definitely show happiness to somebody. I think happiness is funny just because of how fucking absurd it is. This movie is just like a dark comedy. Yeah. Um, but maybe it would make it easier to show to somebody. But uh, I don't think it's n nearly as interesting. Wait, give me a, a quick synopsis. Synopsis of happiness. I haven't seen that one yet. There's a dad and he loves his younger son. <laughs> like too much? Oh yeah. He like rapes his friend. Uh, Actually not enough. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
And that's just one of, like, the four concurrent plot lines in the movie. Yeah. Anyway, fuck you, the critics. Yeah, fuck the critics. We're the only good critics out there. Believe everything we have to say. Thank you. Jackson, what's the next movie we watched? All right, let's talk about the 2023 film Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I picked this movie as a follow-up to uh, the first Spider-Verse movie, which we watched last week, which was fantastic. And this movie uh, follows in its footsteps pretty well. Uh, Basically, we are just... It's literally just like a straight-up sequel to the first one. We've got Miles uh, has developed a lot in his spider abilities. And uh, after the collider thing exploded, one of the scientists that was working on it got turned into the spot, which is like the main antagonist of the whole movie. And they have the Spider Society, and that's like in a different dimension. Um, And they go around trying to encounter anomalies and stuff, like people that shouldn't be in the right dimensions or whatever because of that collider explosion. Um, Gwen being part of that because she got recruited after her, uh, uh, her fucking dad kind of like called her out. Doesn't really matter. She's, she's part of it now. Uh, they go around trying to hunt anomalies. Um, Gwen is sent to Miles World to basically investigate the spot because he's like teleporting around and that's not really supposed to be happening. Um, he eventually does go and like go around and attempt to like gain power by finding more colliders in different universes, uh, which he does. And he goes to like some India universe gets a shit ton of power there uh, miles follows gwen to that place and then um, because of that he stops a canon event from happening which you know sends that world into like a downward spiral uh, which then takes us to the spider society thing where they give miles the breakdown on how canon events work and how like all of this shit is connected how the whole universe in general works uh and then they you know, of course they break the news that of course his canon event hasn't happened and that's what the spot's trying to do is basically do his canon event kill his dad he doesn't, he's not cool with that, so he, uh, he fucking runs away and tries to stop this from happening. Big old chase scene. He escapes. Uh, he gets sent to the wrong dimension, though, because his blood is from the spider of the, you know, the dimension that he got teleported to incorrectly. So he's in the wrong dimension. He's uh, captured by himself, who is now the Prowler in that dimension. Um, and the spot's still doing its own thing in the actual dimension. And everybody's kind of, like, trying to figure out what the fuck's going on at the end. And that's basically the second movie. Dude, massive missed opportunity for you to not start off your summary with, all right, let's do this one last time. Dude, no. <laughs> Anyways, um, this movie is gorgeous, and it, it has a really good score and all that stuff. From an artistic perspective, it's fucking peak, um, but I think the writing falls uh, pretty far behind the first movie for me. I think the pacing kind of sucks. I don't like that it's not really a complete movie i don't like movies that like set up stuff a lot i do Um, think that's like the biggest detractor for this film the fact that it's like one half of an actual film you know like this very much so feels like don't worry we're gonna finish it at some point guys just like you know enjoy what you have but eventually we're gonna you know put a nice little bow on this one yeah Yeah. for me this movie i think the biggest great I have, I mean, there's a lot of, like, ri- little writing things. I wrote a, down a fucking ton of thoughts, and I can get into my massive list of things if we uh, want to keep talking about this movie for half an hour. Dude, I want to um, hear all the minutiae. I will say, uh, I definitely agree with Jackson on the part of, like, yeah, I think that this movie is visually stunning in, like, pretty much every way imaginable. It's a huge step up from the first film, which, like, how does that even happen? Like, when you see fucking Spider-Punk, how do they even accomplish that shit, okay? What the fuck is going on here? I will say, though... I'm probably going to catch some flack for this, but there are a few segments of the film where it's a little too much. It's a bit distracting for what they're trying to do. Like, (laughs) specifically for me, 
it's when we're in Gwen's dimension and she's having like those two like big chats with her dad. Like I understand why they're like you know uh, they're doing like this different shit with like the framing and like the color and shit like that. It's going like whoa, look at this shit. This is a deep conversation. But like it's just a little distracting for me for what the scene is like trying to accomplish. In, in fairness, we were watching it with a really fucking bad bit rate. Yeah. And that may have also been happening because I noticed throughout a lot of the scenes things were getting muddied with like the colors and everything was kind of like blending together, which shouldn't be happening. That was a product of me having a really bad download of mm. the file. That could um, potentially be an issue there. Yeah, go Literally on my first fucking thought when uh after watching this movie and the first thing i wrote down is art is starting to distract from the story there are a lot of parts in this where they are doing things and making plot decisions where i'm clearly like okay the only reason we are doing this is because you want to show something really cool and beautiful looking which cool but then you have an incomplete story, so it feels like there are parts where we are sacrificing story for art, and in a movie, I don't know if we should be doing that. Tanner, your point actually leads into one of my biggest criticisms, which I got cut off trying to explain by Nico earlier. I'm sorry. Um, that being that this movie, mostly with its writing, I think the big thing I don't like about it is just not nearly as tight, and I think it focuses a lot of itself on fan service that it really just shouldn't be like basically once we get to the spider dimension like half the movie is just dedicated to fan service bullshit and unless you're a white male right <laughs> and i think i think obviously people can like that type of shit you know people that really invest in the spider-man lore or whatever um i'm sure we go crazy for that type of stuff as a casual viewer like myself i think it just was a bunch of wasted fucking time especially for like a big deep like emotional thing miles like running away from the responsibility and trying to like help save his dad's life and then he's just like a fucking comedy skit for half of the chase scene basically um, just to introduce a bunch of wacky, cool characters. And they have, like, basically all of that in the spider scene. Um, it's just not as tight. I think they just waste a lot of time on going, holy shit, the first movie is fucking insanely popular. Um, let's jack off the fans um, mm -hmm. a lot because of that. And I'm not a huge fan of that. I don't know. I, I kind of disagree agree. on that front, to be perfectly honest. I felt like... I feel like that kind of shit didn't actually detract that much from the overall story. And, like, whenever that kind of shit came up, it was very quick. And I don't feel like it happened enough times for it to, like, really detract that much from anything. Like, the only one I c that really stands out to me is, like, okay, this is probably a bit too much, is, like, the fucking, like, old uh, old cartoon sort of Spider-Man appearing on screen and, like, doing his little thing. Like, that one maybe took up a little too much time, but I don't know. Overall, I feel like the fan service was perfectly fine for the film. Like, when fucking Childish Gambino showed up and he was the Prowler, that shit was awesome. That was a fucking reference to Homecoming or whatever. True. Yeah, that was funny. I enjoyed that part. It's, it's more than just, like, referencing other characters, too. There's other stuff. But it's a little bit more meta about the movies as well, not just, like, the Spider-Man franchise as a whole. Um, yeah, basically most of my list is kind of just me talking about specific writing decisions that I think are weird. Um, and I guess I could get into some of those if we want to. Yeah, how, like, do you guys, uh, how do you guys feel about canon events, like that tool that they were using in the film? I'm kind of torn on them because of the way they present them. Like, uh, I guess I'll go into another thing here. A lot of people think this movie is like an anti-fascism thing. <laughs> I see that a lot in reviews where people are like, okay, yeah, the Spider Society is a fascist society and Miles and his like posse of people, you know, fucking Spider-Punk, when, whatever. Um, they're the ones that are trying to like beat fascism in this course. And the candidate event is kind of like like something that's holding all of these people into this like authoritative society or whatever. I see that shit all the fucking time. And I kind of see a little bit where they're coming from, but not really. 
Um, but the movie definitely tries to present the Spire Society as a bad thing as a whole, and the Canada event as a bad thing as a whole, and uh, it's a little weird to me. I... I mean, like, when, when the Canada event is broken in uh, Moonbatten, we see that the universe starts getting destroyed. Yeah. Correct. And they so all, like, and also, unless of course, we saw go- the entire world destroyed when it happened to fucking Miguel or whatever yeah. his name is. So unless they're going to reveal that Miguel is somehow making the universes get destroyed because he's trying to enforce canon events... I think those arguments don't hold any water at all. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't agree with these arguments. I think they're fucking stupid. My big yeah. point is that where's the, movie, the fascism? Fascism is just, it's just it's such be, a it's, buzzword <laughs> that you can throw around on yeah, literally I, anything. I, I'm just I just said it because I saw people reviewing right. or reviewing the movie about that shit all the time. I didn't um, even see a Spider-Man dressed as an SS officer in this movie. <laughs> what do you mean, uh, Nicholas Cage Spider-Man was in there? Oh yeah. Anyways, the movie definitely tries to portray the Spider Society as kind of a bad thing, obviously, because we have our main character running away from them, and they're really harsh about everything. At least that's kind of how I took it, and uh, I'm not a huge fan of that, because they don't really give us much reason to actually disagree with Miguel on his whole hypothesis and everything. We've shown, we've gotten specific evidence of literally horrible fucking things happening. They're completely in their right for assuming that something even worse is going to happen potentially with Miles. Maybe they're going to do something with him being an anomaly, and because of that he doesn't actually have like a legitimate candidate event or something. Um, even though they're detecting that's happening, I'm assuming, yeah. because they have a way of doing that. It's, I don't fucking it's know. It's literally just people are like, oh, Miguel is so mean to Miles. Yeah, he's being harsh with him because yeah. he's, he's, he <laughs> he's a fucking adult. what happened. Yeah, he witnessed firsthand what can happen with a candidate event, destroying an entire fucking universe. And you can exactly. only imagine probably the chain that would happen with Miles. My problem um, with the setup of canon events is I'm worried it's made the story of the next movie predictable. Because I feel like, just going off of this one, I'm predicting right now that what's going to happen in the next movie is that they discover that if they just save enough captains, they can create a new canon event. And that's how the next movie's going to end. And I, I think I'm, it's definitely going to be something like they do stop the canon event, but then they also find a way of stopping the canon events from being a bad thing, potentially. It's going to be some happy-go-lucky ending. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm kind of worried that we now, you know, have an over-year-long wait where it's like we know how it's going to go. If they don't do that, then this ignore this criticism entirely. Mm-hmm. But I, I really, like, you know, once I finished the movie, I'm like, I feel like I just know how uh, the next one is going to end and what's going to happen in it. Yeah, to cut a long story short, to answer Nico's original question of what we think about Canada events, I think it's cool in concept, but I don't think this movie does it very well. I think it's a little sloppy. Um, yeah, they're, like, a little weird to me. Because, like, you know, the idea behind it is that, like, you know, it's, uh, uh, these are things that make Spider-Man Spider-Man, okay? They serve as a way of, like, kind of illustrating this idea of, like, you can't save everyone, Miles. It's just not possible. That's a, that's a big lesson Spider-Man needs to learn. But, you know, also at the same time, it's like, I don't know, you know it exists, and at the same time... Like, it's not just about, like, you're not allowed to say, you can't save everybody, but you're not even allowed to, like, try and save everybody, otherwise everything will get destroyed. It feels really weird and a strange message to me. (laughs) Yeah, I think, well, I think, uh, you know, erasing free will from human characters is always going to be a weird decision in movies. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. That, that's a really weird thing to me. It's probably not a huge thing, but at the same time, uh, it, it strikes me as a bit odd. 
I think they are trying to set it up to be like a meta commentary on the existence of Miles Morales himself. Yeah, which yeah because he, he is maybe that will be well done. You know, yeah, potentially. We'll I, I still have very high hopes for the sequel, um, and I'm really mm-hmm. hoping they land this because I like the first movie a shit ton. Um, I think this movie still is really good. Um, and I guess I can get to the part where I just talk about random writing things, and you guys can uh, we can bounce ideas off each other with it. Can I um, mention one more thing before you do that? Sure. I am wondering what exactly the nature of the meta commentary on Miles is. Like, is he a not an anomaly because? He's one of the only race-swapped legacy characters that has actually proven to be popular. Like, is that where they're going? Uh, probably. Because, like, you know, Miles is a character who's had a lot of discourse throughout his whole history, just uh, by the very nature of, like, you know, he's the new Spider-Man, but also he's not white anymore. So, Mm -hmm. like, you know, people have been up in arms about, like, well, he's not really Spider-Man. But, you know, they're trying to show, like, hey, anyone can be Spider-Man, even this guy who you think isn't Spider-Man. Okay, but, like, why is he black and have electricity powers? Anyways, uh... <laughs> I never thought about that, actually. Yeah. That's fucking... That's so funny, actually. They always have fucking electricity powers. It's crazy. Anyways, uh, let me... I'm just gonna go down the list. I think this is mostly in ascending or descending order, I guess, of when they occur in the Chrono- movie. Chron- not chronological. Chronological order, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, and you guys... A lot of these range... They can range from nitpicks to, like, being, like, really stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys probably will disagree with me on the validity of a lot of these. Anyways, the first one here is me just being confused on why Gwen's dad would ever pull a gun on his daughter. Like, he's, he's not even willing to hear her out at all, and he's just immediately just going cop mode. I'm going to arrest my daughter without giving her a, any chance to, re- like, defend herself whatsoever. Crazy to me. Yeah. I could like he's he's in a crazy spot, you know, he just got a crazy reveal. Um the person he's been hunting all this time is his fucking daughter. I understand that. He's in a bad headspace. But I could as I just couldn't as a regardless of my He does my fucking, lower it and then raise it again when she walks towards him. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of conflicting emotions here, you know? Like this entire time he's thought that Spider Man is like an absolute menace who murdered Peter Parker and stuff like that, so he he probably thinks to a certain degree she's a danger. All I'm saying is my kid could commit fucking 9-11 and I'd still hear him out. Anyways, <laughs> uh, let's go on to the next one here. Um, why the fuck did Gwen and Miles go back to the party? Miles obviously had like a really rough thing with his parents there. And obviously the excuse is, oh yeah, they wanted to go get some food. They're in fucking New York. They can go fucking anywhere. <laughs> There's no reason for them to go back to party and just make it awkward. It's literally just some, they, the writers just didn't know how to make the fucking parents meet. Gwen, because I they wanted to do the first the name gag, dude. That part was so funny. They had to do it. <laughs> yeah, that was really, really dumb. Um, all right, this okay. So those are like the early parts of the movie, and that the rest is like the latter half, where you like they meet the Spider Verse people, and this is where it really starts going off the rails for me, where I started having a lot of criticism. Um, I'm not a, a huge fan of the way they told Miles about the Canada event. I think it's pretty fucking retarded. Uh, they didn't even need to tell him about it. Just let him, just you know. This is, I'm just going to go into like a solution here as what they could have done. They just could have let him trial being part of their, you know, organization or something for a bit and just let the Canada event happen. And then, you know, he can come back and be like, oh shit, the fucking Canada event happened. Oops. And now they tell him about it. Um, and then it's not a non-issue. He, it already happened. They avoid that. And he also knows about it. And then they can maybe like kick him out of the fucking Spider-Verse team afterward. I don't know. Um, it just seemed like they were trying to like force a conflict I feel like there was a lot of better ways they could have went around telling him about this, like, massive thing than just immediately antagonizing him and locking him in a fucking cage. Uh, but I'll see, maybe that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to show that he's a little incompetent and he's just kind of a dick. 
I mean, well, like, they didn't, they never intended him for to, like, ever actually be there is the big thing, though. Like, he kind of just ended up showing up because he was chasing after mm, Gwen and shit. True, but they didn't have to tell him right then and there. True, but held, he also, like, just up. witnessed a universe starting to end because he saved somebody and he prevented a canon event. Uh, fair enough. Anyways, going on. Uh, <laughs> the big thing I have a problem with is the fucking chase scene is pr- stupid and fucking dumb. I think it's uh, pretty bullshit to assume that this guy, Miles, first time he's ever been in this facility, is able to escape it um, with, you know, hundreds of spider people, you know, trained professionals in it, all trying to catch him. You're telling me that none of them could catch one fucking dude when there's hundreds of them? And they're all, of course, you know, trained superheroes you could assume are on a relatively similar, if not better level than Miles himself. Um, I don't know how the fuck that's physically possible. Also, it's because all the spider people are minorities and women, dude. That's why True. they couldn't catch him. None also, of them are fast enough. <laughs> also, of course, he could have just turned invisible, and it would have been a non-issue. He could have just been invisible from the True. fucking start, and uh, it would it just wouldn't have happened at all. Um, Is, isn't it's it seems to be implied. So, is invil- invisibility like truly unique to him? Yes. Interesting. Uh, anyways, going on, uh, everybody was, like, clambering, trying to figure out where the fuck he went when he teleported. Everybody just kind of assumed he went to the right place. It literally showed on a monitor. Like, it showed him what dimension he was being sent to. You tell me they don't have any logging information of, like, where he got sent to. They could have just been like, oh, shit, he got sent to fucking dimension 44. Let's go and capture him there or just, like, leave him there to let him, I don't know, let him fucking be stuck in there Glitch for a while. Glitch out until he just, dies. Yeah, and just let the fucking can event happen and just have this be a non-issue whatsoever. That does um, kind of tie into, like, an issue that I have. Like, why does the black hologram woman, like, wh- wh- why the fuck is she helping them out at the end of the movie? And, like, why is she just, like, pals with, like, you know, Miles' friends or whatever the fuck, you know? Because uh, they're both she gave black. Him that, <laughs> she gave him that look, you know? She thought he was hot or something. Yeah, like, I... I think it's it, literally, yeah, literally just, like, he he kind of flirted with her. Yeah, like, they, they don't ever really have, like, any sort of, like, a conversation that would, like, make her become endeared to him or anything like that. She doesn't really seem to be particularly close to, like, any of his friends, so, like, she kind of just ends up helping him for some reason. And, like... I think it's... When think fucking, it's, like, uh, when he was getting teleported to, like, that other dimension, like, she saw, like, where he was going to, so I assume, like, well, uh, why, why didn't she, like, you know, stop it or whatever? Oh, okay, he's, like, somewhere right. else now. I guess that uh, she, like, uh, f- knew that he was going not to where he was supposed to, so she was like, yeah, fuck this guy or some shit like that. Yeah, that's, actually, that's actually valid as fuck, is that she literally was, like, assumed to, like, be helping him and all this, but she literally saw him being teleported to the wrong fucking dimension. Yeah. Maybe well, she just, maybe well, she didn't know what his right Yeah, I don't was. think we can assume she knows exactly which dimension is his. Um, yeah. I think it's even more why, like, I can kind of rationalize this one with, like, she saw how scary Miguel was being, so she's like, ah, I don't want Miguel to literally kill this kid right now, so I'll let him get away. I think it's far more wild when at the end of the movie it's showing, like, the team Gwen has assembled and she's there with them. Yeah. Mm. Like, that's that's even an extra level of, like, we don't know you like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the last two you guys I think will probably agree with me on, um, uh, the last 30 minutes of the movie are like a fucking edging session for, uh, like, the sequel, basically. It's just constantly building up towards ending, and it just takes fucking forever. Just build up scene, build up scene, build up scene. Super annoying. Yeah, I think that is the movie's biggest flaw for me, personally. The pacing during, like, the last uh, section of the film is just so fucking wacky. Like, it, 
there was another film that we watched previous. Oh, it's Joker. Uh, with Joker, it had a very similar issue where it was like it didn't really seem like it knew where it wanted to end the movie, and so we just keep getting these sections where it's like, okay, the movie's ending. No, never mind. There's another scene. Okay, here it. Oh, no, never mind. It. I, I don't know. It is really off. Yeah. Sequel bait. Sequel bait. Anyways, <laughs> uh, we're on to my very final last thing I wrote down. Um, that being that I thought the cliffhanger ending of Miles being the Prowler was incredibly obvious to me. Like, we saw him getting teleported back to his previous dungeon. This is also the exact same thought. Obviously, I've watched this movie twice, and yeah. I had the exact same thought when I was first watching it. Are, you, are we really that shocked? I feel like it's not really that surprising that... Oh no, Miles! Miles is way more surprising. No way, Miles is the villain in an alternate dimension where there's infinite amounts of possibilities, and he's the villain. No way, that's crazy. No, who fucking cares? Also, we literally saw him doing his like Sparky bit at the very end, so there's gonna be like a tiny little fight probably at the start of the first, the second, or third movie. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and And it references that part where like you know Miles had uh, chained up Peter to a punching bag, and Miles is gonna Mm -hmm. make some quip about like he always gotta watch the hands, you know, in the next film. Yeah, it's like they try to like play it off as like, oh no, what could happen to Miles? But obviously he's gonna like probably low diff get out of the situation. It's not gonna be much of an issue. I mean, um, I, I think Gwen's gonna fucking save him. I don't know. I I don't feel like there's much of a point to really harp on for me personally. That's just a nitpick. Yeah, honestly, for, I just I just did I just personally didn't think the ending was really that much of a cliffhanger. I thought it was kind of stupid. Yeah, for me, what I just don't really understand is like, I don't know, why does this alternate dimension Miles like? Not like this, Miles, you know? Like, why is he, like, so, like, I'm gonna murder you or some shit like that, Yeah. You know? Why the immediate like, hostility? Yeah. Anyways, he, he's just thoughts. that evil, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess mm-hmm. so. He's he's real fucked up now. All right, Blake, what is your one-sentence review of this film? Yeah, you've literally contributed nothing to this review <laughs> thus far. What do you think about it? Um, I mean... I mean, I kind of agree with all your guys' points. Like, I mean, overall, it was good, but, uh... Yeah, like, the ending was a little bit, like, vague and, like, how it kept seeming like it was about to end and then it, like, kind of kept giving you those, like, kind of, like, psych cliffhanger kind of things, but, but mm-hmm. the, and then when it finally did end, it was kind of like, you know, it kind of took the, like, the initial, like, excitement out of it. Very true. Speaking of taking the excitement out of Hold it. Hold on a second. Yeah, what's up, Tanner? I'm not ready to go to the rankings yet. I just got one last question for you guys. Okay. When we see, uh, you know, the second part, do you think we're going to walk away from it being like, okay, these should have been two parts, or are we going to walk away from it being like, I kind of wish they waited an extra year and made it a three-hour-long super movie? I think it's going to be, I wish this was a, a big mega movie. Mm. Uh, I think we're going to walk away being satisfied with it. I'm okay. going under the assumption that the next movie is also going to be, like, fucking two hours or some shit like that, so... Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't want to sit through, like, fucking four hours of a movie, all right? <laughs> yeah. I do also want to shout out Miguel. I think he's a really good character. Yeah. I agree. I think he's got a cool design, too. I think yeah. he's fun. He's Anyways, really cool. to kick us off with the rankings here, uh, cutting off Nico, Blake, what did you think of the first Spider-Verse movie? Not this one, but the first one. I think I'd give the first one an easy A. An easy well, A. What do you mean an A, a, Blake? Before you said you were giving the first one like an S tier. Did he? Yeah, when we were in the car the other day. I don't remember saying that. I thought you said something yeah, like Yeah, on a. the guapish like, on scale, where are you slapping it? Um, S plus being like, it's a perfect masterpiece movie. F minus being like, this is fucking horrible and I never want to see it again. I'm going to stick with an A for it. Okay, what about the second movie, Blake? What about the second movie? The second one, I'd, I'm going to have to go B. A B. 
rave reviews here, boys. Rave reviews, and that's what we have Blake on. He's the new uh, he's the new leader in losses here, as they say. Uh, Dylan gave this one a fucking uh, what did he give this one? An S plus. Unsurprisingly. Yeah, I wish we, he was here to talk about this one. I want to hear him defend that rank. <laughs> yeah, I legitimately am very curious about his rank as well. Yeah, Tanner, how about you though? I need to think about my rank more. Can I hear your guys's please? Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and give this one an A tier. Like, I still think it's a phenomenal film. It doesn't breach into the asses at all for me, but like you know, A tier is fucking crazy given how much shit I've talked about this movie, and I gave it an A plus. I'm, <laughs> I was I was definitely thinking you were gonna give it like an S minus minimum. No. Holy shit! Like, I, I feel crazy. like the big part for me is that like there really isn't like an emotional crux of this film that really hooks me like the first one does. That's fair enough. This is definitely not nearly as much of an emotional movie as the first one. Yeah. Like, they had the little bit with, like, the Gwen relationship with their dad, but that was really all about that. I mean, there's, like, a little bit of drama with his parents, too, but it really was not nearly as strong as the stuff in the first movie. Yeah. Damn, this is hard as fuck. I, um, man, it, it's, it's nowhere near as strong as the first one. The story has a lot of little things here and there. But still a really solid film, man. And it's not a complete film. No, the two rankings I was bouncing in between are higher than both of your guys's. So oh, I, I really... So now I'm like, am I am I falling out of the S tier? And I... It's the longest anime movie ever. It's still... Uh, oh. Is this going to be our longest review ever? Potentially. We've been talking about it for fucking forever, if you was like. Yeah. We sure have. Fuck, dude. Oh, my God. Blake, let me just ask you real quick here, dude. Do you just not like movies very much? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, I like movies. Uh, I just don't watch, like, a whole lot in general, but I guess. Blake, like, what think... would be an S-tier movie to you? Mm, I can't think of one off the top of my head. How about a better question for you, Blake? Do you think that Mixed Nuts is a better movie than Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, a.k.a. the second Spider-Verse movie? I wouldn't say that. I mean... But you gave it a higher score than this one. I mean, like, maybe just, like, for me personally, like... Well, yeah, this is this is entirely your your view on the movie, so don't don't answer what you think objectively. Think what you are thinking. That's the whole point of this. Do you think Mixed Nuts is a better movie in your eyes than Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse? Mm, I mean, it depends on what you're looking for, right? I'm, I'm <laughs> asking you, you the question, for? bro. You're looking at <laughs> yeah, this. Like, this is yeah, your like, to review. me it's better, but, like... Okay, that's all we want. That's all I wanted to see. So if that's the case, Blake, then shouldn't you like uh, maybe boost your rating a little bit? Like I wouldn't say that it's a better movie. Like, like that's entirely different from like I enjoyed it more. Yeah, you can rate these movies however the fuck you want. I'm just trying to make sure at least you're like consistent with it. Yeah, like if you if you think you would still agree that Mixed Nuts rates higher on your list than Spider Verse, that's all I was yeah, looking for. Yeah, for me personally, but like okay. Okay. okay, that's that's fine then. That's all I was looking for. Okay, I'm going to go looking at my previous rankings. I am going to go and give it the S minus. All right. And there we go. And that puts it at an A plus, so it's still a very respectable ranking. We're going to we're we're going to get we're going to get killed in the quote tweet or the quote tweets, man. <laughs> we're going to get fucking slatter, slaughtered. Slaughtered <laughs> your fumbling, dude. <laughs> the big question though, Jackson, did yes. <laughs> did Blake's uh, rating yes. it did? Yes, uh, it is now S tier. Uh, can we change Blake's rating? Can can we change Blake's rating? Can you convince him? Now, Blake, let me ask you this, dude. Spider-Man starts with an S, does it not? <laughs> that it does. 
So doesn't it deserve to be in the S tier? I mean, yeah, like if you if you want to look at it that way. <laughs> and like also, Blake, like fucking Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, dude. Like how many movies do you feel like are out there that are actually better than it? Mm, I don't know. It's a loaded question. <laughs> Base? Get shut down, Liptard? <laughs> That's a loaded question, you know? What do you mean by is? What do you mean by movies? What do you mean by better? Fair enough, Blake. I don't think that, uh... Wait, so you're saying Into the Spider-Verse is being dropped out of S+. Yes, it's now S tier. Go ahead and uh, start your uh, defense against it, Tanner. You're trying to convince him. There's no defense I can offer. I have a feeling he is impervious to arguments. (laughs) Um, All I'm saying is that it's got me in one extra green checkmark, baby. (laughs) It sure is. Well, I guess, uh, with that horrid news, are you ready to move into the last movie of the week? We no longer have an S-plus tier. That's, yeah, uh... Yeah. It, it lasted for a whole week. Unlucky. Better luck next time, champ. Maybe the third one's gonna fix that. We'll see. Yeah. Alrighty, the last movie we watched this week was Dylan's pick, the 2021 film Godzilla vs. Kong, which is gonna be, uh, described by Tanner. Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, we opened a King Kong. He's hanging out in the jungle, and then he fucking throws a tree, and it pierces the sky! Uh, he is in a big dome oh, uh, on Skull Island. Uh, we then cut to, I believe, Millie Bobby Brown. She's gotten really into QAnon. Uh, she is all about that shit, man. And... Uh, and then Godzilla shows up and he attacks this facility for this company called Apex Cybernetics. They're making some wacky shit that Godzilla is interested in. And then there's a scientist who is approached by the CEO of Apex and he's like, hey, you're that guy that wrote a book about the Hollow Earth. We want to go to the Hollow Earth to get a energy source or something. And he's like, sure. Uh, and then he's like, I know how we can find the hollow earth king kong is from there and so if we bring him to one of the entrances he'll be able to guide us to the place and so they get king kong and they put him on a boat and they're sailing to antarctica uh on the way godzilla intercepts them because he doesn't like big monkey and they fight whoa boom pow look at the big punch the monkey punch Uh, and, uh, King Kong is thoroughly defeated, and Godzilla, uh, fucks off for now, I guess. They make it to Antarctica and the entrance, and they lie to Kong and say, maybe your family is down there, and so he starts running down there, and they get in their little hovercrafts and fly down. Uh, they are in Middle Earth, they, you know, they run around, it's cool and interesting in there. They wind up in this weird temple thing where, uh, the monkey finds an axe made out of the scale of a Godzilla. Uh, the axe then powers a thing which reveals the energy source they were looking for. They get a sample and then just beam up instructions on what the thing is, I guess, to the people in Apex and they're able to recreate it, which then powers the robot they have that I forgot to mention. They have Mecha Godzilla, uh, which is being powered with King Ghidorah's heads. Uh, cause they're telepathic and blah, 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 blah. Um, and then Godzilla shows up in Hong Kong to fuck up Mecha Godzilla cause he doesn't like that he exists, but he senses that King Kong is fucking around in the Hollow Earth, and so he uses his atomic breath to burrow straight into the Hollow Earth. Uh, King Kong climbs out, they fight, uh, 
King Kong wins, and then they fight for two more seconds, and he loses. And Godzilla proceeds to fight Mechagodzilla, and King Kong shows up, and they're like, Mechagodzilla's the real threat! And they team up, and they fight, and they beat him. And, uh, the end. Holy shit, longest summary of all time. This movie's, uh, this movie's pretty silly. Um, anyways, let's get on to the ranks. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's get on to my haiku, actually. You forgot about your haiku for Spider-Verse. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. I didn't. I don't remember hearing it. I I remember saying it. So alas, well, you're gonna hear in the episode that you completely forgot about it. Dub for us. Okay. Uh, here's the dub for my Across the Spider Verse uh, haiku. <laughs> no. Family drama. Spider Verse is in danger. Kill your dad, Miles. Yeah, uh, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I didn't. Maybe I only thought I said it. But uh, the Godzilla versus Kong and uh, haiku is uh, Kong is sad monkey. Godzilla is on the hunt. They love each other. All right, so, uh, you know, we've reviewed some of these movies already. Uh, just go ahead and copy and paste all of my other reviews that we've had and just put it here. <laughs> it's exactly the same. Yeah, it's it's schlock. Uh, the monster fights are pretty neat. Most of it's boring. Uh, the cinematography is good. I wouldn't go that far. I think sometimes it's good. Most of the time it's just fucking whatever. S- the cinematography is sometimes good. <laughs> the monsters look good. It's, yeah. Yeah, that, well, yeah. you get what you see on the box with this movie, all right? Yeah, there are no surprises to be had here. Yeah. I like Jackson laughing at the fact we knew it was called Mechagodzilla. Oh, yeah. I, th- I thought that was a joke. Je- I didn't know God- Mechagodzilla was a thing. Yeah. When it popped up on screen, I was like, oh, that's fucking silly. <laughs> Speaking of Mechagodzilla, by the way, uh, like in terms of the plot, why did it even need to go on a rampage in the first place? Like, it literally changes nothing about the story. It's still going to fight King Kong and Godzilla either way. It's so that we, the audience, can sympathize with it less. Okay. It's just, I think it's literally just supposed to like really drive home that the corporation's evil, and we should be uh, looking to these big monsters for protection instead. We need to take away agency from humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with the corporation. I think uh, being able to autonomize that ourselves uh, is pretty fucking sweet. Yes, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Jackson, you're telling me you're not familiar with this guy right here. Oh, it looks so fucking stupid. I think it looks pretty dumb in the movie as well. It's a very unintimidating thing. I think it's just because it's so, like, not fleshed out. I also think Godzilla looks fucking stupid, but that's, like, I just don't like the good design of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Godzilla just looks a little goofy to me. Jackson doesn't like kaiju. All right, Blake, what's your one-sentence review of this film? Mm, I mean, it was, it was entertaining to a degree, but, like, as a whole, like, I feel like it's a little, like, kind of cheesy. Fantastic. I'm happy to hear it, dude. Based? I was just gonna say I kind of like Mecha God. I I think his design is kind of weak, but I like some of the shit he does. I like the fact, actually, you know what? The only thing I really like about him is that he has rocket boosters that let him like fling himself when he punches. I thought that shit was cool, but that that I'm now realizing that's about it. I will say, yeah, I know I kind of agree with you, Tanner. I uh, I don't like his design at all. I think his design's goofy, but I do think he is an intimidating figure. Like, imagine being Godzilla and just having some fucking mecha thing just tearing you apart like picking up and just like blasting you with the laser at point blank range it's like just really brutal in the way it does it i think they portrayed that well and with that said blake what are you rating this movie mm, i'm gonna have to go see for this one that's a, honestly see, a pretty solid ranking i'm thinking uh you know probably a c for me as well really okay so nico yeah 
Do you think this one is better than King of the Monsters, then? Yes. Okay. I also got very little at King of the Monsters, so... I, I think this one is on par with King of the Monsters, so I'm going to give it the same rank out of B. Uh, yeah, I probably need to lower my King of the Monsters rating. Uh, I was, like, fucking insanely zoned out of that movie. I gave uh, this one a C, though. And, of course, Dylan gave an S tier. Yeah, he gave it a, he gave it a fucking S. Yeah. Um, ridiculous, as they say. Uh, anyways, I put like, it hold B- on. Let me, can I just... Yeah. So Dylan's defense on often is that, no, I'm just a fan of these movies. I've seen all these movies. I know all the lore. I watch all the same YouTube videos he watches. I am, I guarantee you, I have far more in-depth Godzilla knowledge than he does. And I can objectively judge that these movies are not very good. I want to, like, watch these movies with him because I want to see his, like, in- in-person reaction here to this stuff. Like, I, I want, like, in reactions. my head, I don't know how the fuck he can rate this shit in S-tier, because, like, I rated the first Spider-Verse movie in S-tier, <laughs> and it's crazy to me that he thinks that this movie is on the same tier as, like, Spider-Verse to me. Like, I can't conceptualize that at all. Yeah. Like, when, when the fucking three goofballs, the fucking two kids and, like, the adult guy were doing their stupid, dumb hijinks, oh, no, we're stuck in the box. Was he busting a gut or something? Yeah. What am I missing here? What? Yeah, what is the emotional, uh, you know the emotional reaction he's having. I it's it's beyond me. Maybe we when he uh, when he inevitably makes us watch uh, Godzilla X Kong New Empire or New Kingdom or whatever the fuck. You know what we you know what we should allow him to pick that one for his movie of the week, and then we can go and watch it with him in the theater, and then we can observe for ourselves how he's reacting. We don't watch the movie whatsoever. We just stare at him. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, with that said, though, boys, what did it end up as? Uh, oh, yeah, to put it at a B minus overall. Wow. Okay. And with that said, boys, we're going to be moving on to our movies for next week here. Tanner, what are you picking, dude? Uh, fuck, hold on. I got to pull up my list. Do, 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 do. Blake! Yeah. Can I get you to pick a random number from one to nine? Mm, six. We are watching the original Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Holy shit, that's the worst Disney movie ever made. I'm so excited. <laughs> As for my pick, though, you know, we've been on a real Marvel streak here recently, so I figured why not uh, let it continue here a little bit. So I'm going to be picking Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I forgot Pog. about that thing. Let's go! Yeah! Big fan! I think it would be pretty sweet. I've heard good things about it, and I remember good things about it. And for the Patreon pick, which, of course, you can also be uh, in our queue for movies we're going to be watching on the podcast for only a single dollar every single month, uh, I'm going to roll who's going to be third movie pick this week. Um, and it is... Serbian <laughs> film! <laughs> Uh, thank perfect you. combination. <laughs> thank you, Loveskin, for picking a Serbian film, oh. uh, the 2010 film. <laughs> It's finally here. Our worst fears uh, have been realized. It wasn't even recommended that long ago. Yeah. It was recommended in uh it was just last month. That's fun. That sucks. God damn it. We have to, fuck, we gotta this watch is a, that. This now. is a horrible lineup of movies. Fucking <laughs> Snow White the Seven Dwarfs. The second Guardians of the Galaxy was gonna be a nice reprieve, and then fucking a Serbian film. Oh no. God. And if uh, you too is... would like to recommend movies just like Lavaskin <laughs> just did, Tanner, tell them all about how they can succeed in such a nefarious act. 
Oh, uh, dude, all they have to do, uh, for only $1 a month at patreon.com forward slash guapish or go to the guapish.com forward slash Patreon, you, uh, get early access to every episode as well as access to our Patreon-exclusive pre-show, the pre-guap, uh, you get access to the Discord where you can talk to us, submit your own topics, and submit your own movies, and you get 500 slime coin, and... You get your name read out at the end of each episode, just like I am about to do. Thank you very much to our patrons. Netagant, Raheem Rajawani, Kyler Nikolai, Oh My Goinky Sploinky, Top Ramen Man, Joshua Bean, Dylan, I've Kidnapped Your Family. If you ever want to see them alive again, you'll need to rank No Country for Old Men Higher, Tutbot, Lucas Ledet, Hunter, and Jacob Edwards. Thank you very much. Bye-bye! Bye!